I'm Jason Van Metting. And I'm Ksenia Chmutana. Welcome to Disasters Deconstructed Podcast. So welcome everybody to another episode of Disasters Deconstructed. We're really pleased you've joined us again. And this week we're talking about the use of natural disaster in practice. And Ksenia and I and Lee Bosher published a paper in GAR 2019 recently, and we've talked about it previously um, in episodes. And this uh, this um, conversation we're going to have today is related to that. And our paper, um, for those who may have not read it yet, is called Dangers of the Natural Disaster Misnomer, and we will link to it in the show notes. Great plug in there, Jason. Well done. No problem. <laughs> um, and the best person, I guess, to talk to about the misnomer, about our favorite, in quotation marks, phrase, natural disasters, is, well, we think Kevin Blanchard. Welcome, Kevin. Hello. Hello, Faith. Hello, audience. Hey, Kevin. Um, so nice to have you here. And, um, you know, I, I guess we've been Twitter friends for quite a while, but we've only met in person like a couple of months ago, haven't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and Jason, I have still yet to meet you. Yeah, yeah so yeah, Jason does exist, you know. He's not yeah. a bot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen... Not a Russian bot. <laughs> no, not a Russian bot, no. No, I think we've all been called Russian bots. But, um... <laughs> yeah. No, for I various think, yeah. reasons. Yeah. Well, <laughs> There's, there's maybe more um, more rationale for calling you a Russian bot, Ksenia, but I can, yeah, I can see a boss, yeah. yeah, I can see yeah. why Ke- Kevin gets it as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but anyway, going back to natural disasters. Um, well, Kevin, I think you're the most uh, prolific Twitterer when it comes to the whole naming and shaming uh, of those who are using natural disasters. And your Twitter campaign that, you know, lots of people are contributing to now, um, no natural disasters on Twitter, has just grown and grown and grown and getting so much attention, which is just absolutely brilliant. So we all absolutely applaud you for all the effort that you're putting into this oh thank Thank you you. well you've been quite brave on twitter haven't you um and you've been uh, telling off in in like a really nice and polite way for using the the misnomer and you've been explaining really well to people why there is a problem with with natural disasters so what is the most common response that you get when you tell people that disaster is not natural so firstly thank you very much for inviting me to speak to you both and, and to talk about this this topic which you know as you've just covered is one i feel fairly passionate about <laughs> um uh i mean the, the first of all um you know I, I i'm not sure brave is the right word um so you know twitter's hmm. a relatively kind of anonymous forum so um it kind of gives me that level of I don't know, kind of bravado that I might not have when, you know, kind of speaking to, to academics and to professionals face to face. You know, a lot of the time we are kind of challenging their work that they've published or that they've put mm-hmm. out. So, you know, that's quite a personal thing to do. Um, and as you said, we do try to do that in kind of a friendly and a positive way of kind of more of an educational as opposed to telling off. It's much more about, you know, okay, we see you've used the ND term. Um, actually, 
you know, have you looked at this or kind of have you explored this area, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I think Twitter allows us the kind of the, the platform in order to do that, to actually engage with these groups who might necessarily, if we were on a face-to-face basis, might kind of automatically shut down the conversation. And there's mm-hmm. a there's another tw- Twitter account out there that's kind of um, working in the, in the Brexit um, debates, well, debates, just a mess, um, the Brexit <laughs> mess. Um, <laughs> uh, it's called Led by Donkeys, um, and they do the same thing. So basically, they they take this, they take tweets that politicians are sent, and you know, kind of people in very high level positions within the UK and kind of overseas, um, and kind of basically take these tweets that are often incorrect and kind of, you know, use uh, uh, stats and stuff that, that are kind of dubious in, in nature and, and call them out. And I think it's the it's the same kind of thing. You know, the, there are people who use Twitter as a platform for harassment and hate, but actually mm-hmm. that platform, even though it's anonymous and it kind of does, you know, have that, that negative side and that bad side, it also allows people to, to kind of, you know, have a conversation can't get too heated because it is over the internet. But it does get heated sometimes, doesn't it? Um, you've had some yeah. interesting responses, should I say? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so we have had uh, a lot of angry responses. I mean, it, the anger tends to come from um, members of the public, particularly after we are tweeting after an event itself. So I always think back to the flooding that happened over in the states last summer, um, and uh, we, you know, obviously there are there are a lot of articles being published by by media outlets and and. Uh, you know, academics and, and the like and policymakers um, using the ND term. And, and when we were trying to correct that, we were having uh, quite a bit of pushback in terms of, you know, members of that community who had been impacted. Um, and the message that actually, you know, we have a direct, we have a direct kind of um, impact on how severe a disaster is, mm-hmm. uh, is probably quite a sensitive one, particularly if you've gone through, uh, a, a, you know, a disaster just recently yourself. Um, which is again why we try to, you know, do, you know, spread our message with with uh, you know kind of a polite, friendly kind of banter as opposed to you've done this wrong, you need to correct right. it. It's much more kind of trying to engage on a, on a friendly basis. Do you think it's because those that you are um, trying to educate feel professionally criticised? Like, is that the the problem, or do you think they actually disagree with the ideas behind your campaign so i think mainly it is kind of sometimes particularly from from academics and people who have kind of written papers um you know they've been published and, and we're calling those papers out they i think it feels like a personal direct attack yeah. um yeah so i think there's the hesitation there that you know i kind of you know the the person is going to defend their work which i get obviously you, you know you're you're proud of that piece of work you put a lot of work into it you want to defend that mm. um but i think kind of outside of outside of where people have a kind of a professional uh interest in this in this area it's much more kind of emotive i think actually the idea that humans are to blame for disasters is actually still quite a, a difficult mm. idea to for people to wrap their heads around 
um, right. and it's actually much easier and kind of much much uh, nicer in a way to blame nature because you know it it, mm. it kind of makes us um, you know the victims as opposed to people who actually do have a, a direct impact on how severe that disaster turns out to be. And it depoliticizes the whole thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Takes that. Takes the politics away and takes the um, you know the the kind of the blame. Uh, away from any one audience, um, and that's I think is a is a part of the problem. You know that these fair enough these decisions largely are historical. You know obviously the reason we built towns and cities in, in the places we did, you know, can date hundreds if not thousands of years. Um, but actually we do need to recognise that the continued redevelopment in areas that are prone to flooding or prone to you know prone to any other kind of hazard. Um, is a huge issue, and it's something that you know going forward, particularly with climate change, we need to recognise mm. on a on a much higher level. We always get the asteroid thing as well, by the way. So uh, yes, yes, whenever yes. we whenever we tweet no natural disasters, there's the all almost every single time you'll get someone responds, "Well, how about an asteroid?" Yes, okay, an asteroid might be the one occurrence of a natural disaster, um, but I'll, I'll, you know I'll kind of. But oh, it's oh. it's not natural though; it's extraterrestrial, no. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's true. That's true. That's, there you that go. Should be a, the caveat. But I think it does come back to that kind of professional defensiveness from those who publish about disasters or feel like maybe they have a position of power, decision making, and the implication is that they actually have a role in in um, causing or stopping this happening Um, and that's that's a pretty hard thing to take if um, you haven't really framed it in that way before There's also this whole argument that, well, although we may understand that disaster is not natural, it's just a convenient term, isn't it? And everybody else understands, so why should we change our language? Yeah, I know. I, we, we, we get that a lot. People say, well, we need to use natural disaster to differentiate between, say, an industrial disaster or mm-hmm. kind of a technological hazard. And actually, you know, particularly so, for instance, if we're looking at the media as a, as a kind of an area that um, no natural disasters campaign has tried to target, and um, you know that within that article or within the kind of the, the piece that that journalist or that presenter is, is kind of writing or, or presenting on they would have explained already the kind of the background to that particular disaster or that or that incident anyway so actually to have you know the words natural disaster in there um seems to me like a an unnecessary duplication if we're talking about a natural hazard uh, and right. if we're talking about something that's kind of a technological hazard, then obviously, of course, it's not a natural disaster anyway. So, you know, it, it, that, that, that argument always falls flat for me in that, you know, we don't need that clarification because that clarification is normally explained further in the article or in the publication or in the journal piece. Um, you know, using disaster is fine. You know, that, that covers everything. And then actually the, the kind of the further work goes on to explain exactly the origins of that disaster. Right. I think I think that's something that we touched on in um, our paper that we wrote about the expression in academic literature, Ksenia, yes. where, yeah. you know, there are so many papers where they they end up setting up a sort of contradiction in terms 
because they talk so much about vulnerability and about how disasters aren't natural. Um, mm. And they've already explained the difference between disaster and hazard, yeah. but then they throw yeah. in their natural disaster as well. And then <laughs> yeah. they just introduce this contradiction into their work. So Kevin, um, tell us a bit about the type of organizations that um, you have been trying to reach out to, to educate, and about some of the problems with the way that uh, this terminology is being used from your point of view. Yeah, sure. So our process really is to, and um, you know, for, for those who haven't followed the accounts or kind of haven't seen the types of tweets we, we put out, you know, it's, it's very much, we tend to go for um, organizations or individuals on Twitter who have large followings. And the reason we do that is because obviously we, it, it's a much more effective way of spreading the message. You know, there are hundreds of people out there who are using this term and they've only got one or two followers. And actually that seems like, you know, it's not really going to spread the message that far. Whereas if we can go for organizations such as um, GFDRR, parts of the World Bank, who have, you know, tens of thousands of followers, they are continuously mm -hmm. using the, the ND term. Um, yeah. If we if we can get them to change their mind, if we can get them to realise that actually there are no you know there's no such thing as a natural disaster, then actually the the effectiveness of our work is is, is amplified because actually they're going to you know, through not using that term they're, they're going to stop kind of spreading that inaccurate information. Um, but the 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 other organisations you know we we do tend to go for kind of major players within the DRR humanitarian spheres and that's NGOs governments. Um, journals, um, you know, international donors, etc., um, and we have, uh, you know, some success, which you know I'll, I'll touch on a bit later. Um, but really, it's 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 kind of down to um, the the size and the scale of the audience that that message is supposed to be reaching. That's kind of where we make a decision on on who mm -hmm. to target and who to who to tweet out to. So tell us more about the rationale for actually trying to educate these organisations who are using this language. Like, what is what do you think are the real impacts of their continued usage? My feeling, and and uh, you know, after after speaking with many other people on the campaign, you know, our feeling is that just through these organizations using the term natural disasters it really does kind of allow people in positions of power um a, a way out of, of being held ac accountable for the decisions and the policies that they are either um, developing or implementing um so for instance uh, you know and sorry gfdr to go back to you but you know world bank gfdr if we're looking at them, they're an organization with a huge amount of power globally. They have, you know, a huge level of, of um, engagement with both national governments, but also with DRR and humanitarian practitioners across the world. They have huge sums of money at their disposal that really, you know, can make and break, a, make or break a, a policy um, or practice. And if they're using natural to describe a disaster, then it's a way of kind of minimizing the impact that their decisions have uh, on any outcome um, and we have an issue with that that's that's you know the, as we've already touched on during this this podcast you know vulnerability poverty inequality marginalization all of these issues are what cause disasters mm. and actually these people in in positions of, of great power by using this language take 
you know, capital, social capital away from that particular group of people um, and really make it much more difficult for us as policymakers and practitioners to implement policies and, and um, processes that are, that are more fair and equal um, and sustainable because, you know, the sustainability is at the heart of this debate. Um, yeah. You know, we need to ensure that our resilience and our DRR uh, processes are, are kind of long term. So do you think that the reluctance to change the language that they use is intentional? And do you think there's some sort of grand um, kind of conspiracy to <laughs> um, avoid, avoid responsibility and make sure that disasters remain depoliticized? You know, to some degree, there is a, there is a proportion of, you know, particularly Western, well, um, you know, develops nations, wealthy nations, there's an interest and a, 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 a you know, kind of a, a positive outcome for them to, to keep certain parts of the world um, at, a, at a, maybe a poorer um, or more disadvantaged position. Um, and obviously that's historic, that goes back, you know, throughout colonialism and, and well, basically throughout humanity. There's always that kind of counter between um, uh, the, the haves and the have-nots, um, and I think um, you know that 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 I guess you could kind of apply that to this debate. But um, my feeling is that actually it's 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 mainly really just ignorance. It's um it's a lack of the understanding of the key message. So you know if, unless pe these people, unless these organisations really do understand why the ND term is so problematic, there's no reason for them to stop using it. Which is why I think communication through various different means. Um, is the best way to get these organizations to try and change it. So I have a, a follow-up to that. So if we step back from like the grand conspiracy, I'm trying, yeah. I've tr thought about this a few times. Like how does it work in practice when you send out uh, a tweet to say, uh, you know, to the World Bank say, you say yeah. you really appreciate this this report you put out, but we're concerned about the usage of the expression natural disaster. And here's some resources to learn more about why this is a problem. Um, what do you think actually happens at that point? Like when that tweet gets through to the social media person um, yeah. and they, so say they say, oh no, what are we doing? Like, this is, this is really a problem. <laughs> they, they like re read the stuff that you sent. Then what yeah. happens at that point? They go to their manager. Um, what do you think that conversation looks like? Um, and who, who do you think gets drawn into that conversation? So I would hope, and, I, and again, you know, unfortunately, I've never been on the other side of that, on, on yeah. that tweet. So, I, you know, I, I can only kind of guess what happens, but I would hope. And, and my aim through sending those tweets out is that there's at least a recognition of the issue that they're, they're causing. Um, and as you say, you know, hopefully that social media person or, or organization who are representing that organization on social media will see these kind of tweets, particularly if they're being retweeted and liked by lots of other people. It kind of, it does then amplify the message. And if they're seeing that actually this is an issue across, you know, our community as in DRR practitioners and academics and, and policymakers, then they start to 
kind of highlight that to their their senior managers or their or their people who are in charge of developing policy. And I'm hoping that through you know kind of a, a, a drip drip process, like a trickle process, that actually that message really does start to infiltrate not just at the senior levels, because at the end of the day, we all know through having worked in organizations, it's not really the senior people who are doing the work as in writing the reports and, and coming up with the research and doing all those different bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, that we will start to see a slow change in discourse. And I mean, we've had some successes, you know, we have had organizations who have seen our tweets and who have engaged with our tweets and that and that's maybe not changed the way they work because you know using united nations and using undrr mm. um you know they they had already recognized that there are uh, natural disasters there's no such thing as a natural disaster but they made it much more explicit in their in their outward facing mm. um, publications yeah. you know the mm. the Garkle, openly said you know we do not want mentions of natural disasters in our in our submissions yeah on their website it talks very much about you know trying to understand that there are no natural disasters and so that recognition of of you know these all these are large organizations you know UNDR are kind of um recognizing that there's no such thing as a natural disaster and and, and actively engaging with the community you know through calling out through the gar paper not you know they don't want the natural disaster term in their in their submissions through kind of putting a very public facing aspect on their on their Twitter and um, on their sorry on their website talking about why disasters aren't natural this kind of engagement from these large-scale organizations then I hope and this is the kind of the the, the idea of the of the campaign uh, that we run is that then you know you'll start to see smaller organizations NGOs etc particularly local NGOs um, and academics practitioners policymakers etc start to see oh right okay so these big organizations have dropped that so why can't we? And then actually you end up with the kind of this groundswell of terminology change, mm. which then feeds its way just through report releases and news articles, etc., through to the press, through to the general public. And then you start to kind of uh, get a more or a, a more valid discussion about the actual causes of disaster as opposed to just blaming on nature. You know, I think there are enough individuals all around the world who are actually, you know, who are recognizing this, right? And mm -hmm. I mean, for decades, I think people have been working to show um, the importance of root causes and different organizations have been doing it. But it's really nice to see that, well, thanks to your efforts, really, you're kind of put us all together, you know, and created this collective of people who recognize each other's efforts and who want to enhance it further without actually taking any glory for it. And yeah. This is really refreshing to see, particularly I think in academia. So, what made you so passionate about? You know, how how have you become so passionate about this non-natural disaster campaign? What inspired you to be so proactive and got us all together? Um, so, full disclosure. Firstly, um, for those who have, for those who have seen the, the No Natural Disasters Twitter account, you know, I, I have tweeted about natural disasters and written in papers about natural disasters in the past. But it was actually an article that you and 
uh, Jason and, and JC and Lee wrote um, in the Open Democracy article. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, that really changed my mind. So I, I, someone tweeted it and I kind of read this article and I thought, oh my goodness, that's so obvious. Like that, you know, like when you have that kind of, you know, you've always kind of thought one way and then you have this this kind of this realization and this, this awakening. And then that's basically what happened. And I was like, of course. I mean, this, mm. this is so <laughs> obvious that actually it's not nature that's causing these disasters. And mm. um, and then I started to just, every time I saw that term, I would cringe. You know, I would just <laughs> think, oh, my goodness, this is awful. I can't believe I'm seeing this. And, you know, it starts off kind of having these face-to-face conversations. And they are very difficult to do because, again, like I said at the beginning, you know, it's, 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 you know whilst you're not attacking their work, it, it kind of does come across like that. So, um, you know, I thought, well, what better way to kind of spread that message and actually to, to, to engage with people than Twitter? You know, social media does offer that level of um, distance between you and the person you're contacting. So which is why I set up this this uh, Twitter profile. And um, then, you know, we've got a website and we've just started to you know, sell some 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 badges and stickers and, and T-shirts and stuff. Um, you know, just just really try and, and, and continue kind of continue spreading that message. I mean, one thing I would say about the Twitter account is the the kind of the although the followers keep growing, it's it's going very very well, and we're we're kind of collecting more more and more inputs each each day. The actual messages that we're tweeting out aren't being as widely retweeted or as widely read as they were when we first started, which right. you know, leads mm. me to believe that obviously there's a slowdown in terms of engagement because you know it's it's quite similar terminology that we're using in our tweets, so you know it's yeah. a, it's kind of a, a similar pattern, and that's something that we're looking at changing. And actually, we're just about to announce a new a new initiative that's going to really shake up how we engage with people, and I mm. think that will be much more kind of. Um, it's, it's going to be much easier for people, one, to, to understand what it is that we're talking about without having to rely on links too much, but two, um, also about kind of trying to ensure that, you know, uh, these these organizations kind of take on that message and actually learn from that message. I had no idea about the backstory, Kevin, and it's kind of... Um, yeah, I mean, No, it's <laughs> I, like Ksenia and I are pretty passionate about trying to write... Um, in in different ways outside of yeah. academia as well and that I'm, I'm really glad we wrote that piece when we did and it, it definitely um, has seemed to make an impact on different people yeah but i think we were kind of almost pushed to write it at the um, global platform 2017 mm. yeah when there were just so many and these used you know every single minute that i think all of us just kind of lost our <laughs> will to leave <laughs> Well, Ksenia ended up with a sign in the in the main auditorium and asked to asked to leave. <laughs> yeah, I still can't believe. It. I, 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 so obviously at the the global platform in Geneva this year, I was handing out badges and and, uh, and these kind of little leaflets, uh, all on recycled material. I'd like to add. So we do have some criticism from our from some people on Twitter that we're we're using plastic to um to promote this, and obviously you know we're we're we would rather not pollute the planet. Um, yeah. I would like to assure people that the badges that were given out in in the global platform were recyclable. Um, okay. They were biodegradable badges, so <laughs> there was no there was no impact. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I was I was half expecting UNDRR to ask me to leave when I was handing out these 
these badges but actually they didn't they were really on board and and i think maybe it was just kind of the 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 location for the 2017 one that was maybe the the, the sticking point but it's it's great to see the change, you know, because when we were in Cancun with 2017, I mean, um, so, you know, I got told off, Ben Wiesner got told off for putting duct tape <laughs> um, mm. against natural, you know, he was trying to yeah. cover natural yeah. in somebody's poster. And, yeah. you know, it, it's it's funny now, but kind of, it wasn't really that funny no. then. <laughs> well, yeah, it kind of brings me back to that idea of like what, what really happens in these organizations when the point gets raised about mm. the um, fact that the terminology that we're using is not really accurate. And, you know, there's this criticism about power and responsibility and accountability. And I'd love to be a fly on the wall, like when that conversation is had with the, the different heads of departments, right? I just wonder what, yeah. they, what they say and, and why, like surely the conversation has to happen um, when that kind of a criticism is raised. And I'm wondering, especially with organizations that choose not to change after they know that there's a problem, like how does that go down, you know? Something I've noticed is um, that journalists and yeah, some academics are happy to say that disasters aren't natural now, like because they're framing it like because of climate change. Now mm. disasters aren't natural anymore, but they're not, they're not really appreciating the message of the importance of vulnerability or the importance of disaster as a social construct. They're trying to highlight something different in saying that um, because of they're highlighting the, the climate emergency. Right. And so yeah. I think they're getting part of the way there, but they're not really appreciating the full message. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, your spots on Jason I think it's um you know and that's actually you know it could be quite useful for us it, you know if, if they can if they stop using the ND term and it's only because of climate change um then you know I think as much as it's it's frustrating that they're not understanding maybe the wider the wider context of our argument I think it's still a win for us and it's still something yeah. that we need to we need to recognize that you know we we um we've tried to try to educate them but i i absolutely agree you know and actually the the kind of the whole debate around around climate change there was an, a really interesting article in the guardian um a couple of days ago about you know how climate change is going to erode our our human rights mm. um and our kind of fundamental understanding of democracy um and i think that's that's you know really kind of sums up the argument in in a very um, urgent way you know mm. these yeah. events yeah. aren't natural you know they they have absolutely 100 percent human origins and the, the the vulnerability aspect of those is just so we can't ignore that it's so so important that we recognize that you know the vulnerable are, are by far and away the most um, most impacted by these events about the No Natural Disasters campaign um, and we, we 
really appreciate your, your time and um, all your efforts on Twitter especially um, and in person where you're, you're kind of lobbying for this um, use of terminology to change at some of the biggest um, global forums where these, the, the people that write about these things are actually um, discussing disasters and where you see opportunities to try to convince them to step away from that usage of natural disasters. So re we really appreciate on the podcast what you're doing, Kevin. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you, Kevin. And for those who are not following the campaign on Twitter yet, please follow at uh, hashtag nonnaturaldisasters. Mm. Um, also follow Kevin at DRA Dynamics. Um, and follow us, of course, the listen, you know, listeners, if you're not following us yet, at DisastersDecon <laughs> and subscribe. Yeah, and leave us a review. Um, we're really happy to that people have started to uh, review us and um, that we so many people appear to be listening. Um, we'd love your feedback on anything else that we can um, talk about on the, on the show, especially for season two, which will be coming up in a few months. So you have been listening to Ksenia, Jason and me, Kevin, on the Disasters Deconstructed podcast. Thank you.